Hello, welcome to the Other Side Sports Podcast. I'm Joe Pickney. I got my man, Anthony Ortiz, with me. Anthony, how's it going, man? Oh, man, not doing too bad. Run the roller coaster game. Just got done watching. Uh, can't wait to talk about it, man. I know, man. Yeah, it uh, <laughs> between technical difficulties for me and the game not being showed, I got a big assist from you, and I appreciate it, my man. But let's get into it, man. Our Cowboys came up short. Um, be honest, I'm not. I'm, I'm. I'm not really upset about the game. Normally, you know, I, 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 you know, we had a miss, couple of missed opportunities, but overall, I agree with you. You texted me and you said that uh, you felt like we got a good team. We just got to clean some things up, and I agree with you. Yeah, man, that that was kind of my takeaway uh, from today. You know, really, the first two games, even last week on a win. Uh, I was very critical of, uh, you know, Coach Mike McCarthy, Kellen Moore, what was really critical of all those guys. Um, today, I'm not really that critical. Um, I got a couple players that I'd like to maybe be critical about here, you know, once we get going. But, yeah, my kind of main takeaway was we just got to clean up bonehead plays, man. And I know a lot of that has to do with coaching, but I'm going to give Mike McCarthy a pass on that one just because these bonehead penalties have been part of the Cowboys' culture for, like, the past 10 years. It was something that just happened been constantly under the Jason Garrett era you know Mike McCarthy's only been coaching now for three weeks so I want to give him a little bit of time to clean that up before I really start criticizing him because it was just one thing after another with penalties after the uh the Jason Garrett era but you know the penalties and the special teams mistakes um they just need to be cleaned up man I mean we left uh two points out there due to missed extra points we left obviously the safety on just a bad play by Tony Pollard um, which he makes that play 99 out of 100 times. So I don't want to be too critical on TP because he's usually pretty sure-handed back there. But, you know, we gave Seattle four points right there, and Seattle's just too good of a team to give them four points. I mean, you know, we don't give them those four points, and at the end of the game we're kicking a field goal to tie instead of having to drive down and score a touchdown. So, yeah, you know, we made some critical errors, but I, I kind of, like I texted you, I really feel like we have a good squad. We just went toe-to-toe with Seattle in Seattle. So I'm feeling pretty good. Obviously, I don't feel great about one and two, but kind of looking around at the rest of the NFC East, I watched all the other three teams play today, and, you know, the NFC East looks pretty terrible this year. So one and two actually doesn't seem too bad, all things considering. Yeah, I agree with you. And actually with them even adding another team to the playoffs, I think there's only one team that's going to advance out of the uh, NFC East this year. And, I, you know, I'm, I'm thinking it's going to be Dallas. Once we get things going – and I'll tell you, man, the way that division is going, I wouldn't be surprised if seven and nine won that doggone division this year. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I spent a lot of time watching Philadelphia today, and it's just the same song and dance for Philadelphia. They're riddled with injuries. Deshaun Jackson was hurt again today. Alshon Jeffries out. Jalen Rager's out. So they're in a bunch of just, just you know, backup wide receivers out there for Carson Wentz. And Carson threw two just terrible interceptions again today. But in reality, Philadelphia should have won the game. Uh, and then Wentz had three opportunities in overtime to win the game and, and failed to score on all three of them. And the game ended up in a tie against Cincinnati, at home against Cincinnati. That's a horrible loss for Philadelphia. So, yeah, I agree with you. I think 7-9 is going to win that division. But I expect the Cowboys to still end the year at least 10 and six. Um, we got some winnable games coming up down the stretch. I know we got Cleveland next week. I think the Giants are coming up after that. And I want to say Cincinnati sometime close after that. 
So we had a lot of winnable games coming up. I thought this first three game stretch was going to be their hardest of the whole year. So to end at one and two, losing a couple close games, I mean, I feel pretty good about it, honestly. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I also, uh, you know, I, I felt like we should have just had, I, you know, I know, I know you got to keep the defense honest, but man, we've got such an advantage with our receivers. And then, you know, uh, Cedric Wilson coming on, I just felt like that was, you know, today's game was a game where we could have just passed the ball maybe, maybe like 80 times. I don't know, man. Yeah, and, uh, you know, if you kind of look at the stats here, which I am pulling it up right now. Sorry, I don't have it right up in front of me. But uh, Dak did throw for darn near 500 yards, and I want to say Zeke had less than 15 carries. So, I mean, it was did look like Kellen Moore kind of saw there in the second half that running the football was not going to work. We were outmatching them in the passing game, so we went ahead and did a lot of throws, which a lot of times – you know, the Cowboys are, are criticized for throwing the ball too much. But I thought today it was warranted. Yeah, I got stats up here. Dak threw 57 passes, completed 37 to 57 for 472 yards, three touchdowns, two picks. Obviously, the one at the end is, you know, just trying to make a play. The other one was pretty bad. It was a game swinger. Uh, and Zeke only had 14 carries, one for CB. So, in reality, Dallas had 57 passes and only ran the ball 15 times. So, I, I really can't – you know, I can't uh, question too much from Kellen Moore from his play calling. I thought he called a pretty good game today. I thought the couple screen passes that he called were questionable. I don't like running screens against Seattle because their defense, their linebackers are so strong with KJ Wright and Bobby Wagner. Don't love the uh, the screen passes. But other than that, man, I was pretty impressed with uh, Kellen Moore. I thought he called a pretty good game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, talk about the defense. You know, I, I felt like the, the defense – for the most part, played pretty well. You know, we talked about the penalties and things of that nature. I, that was an excellent play by uh, Diggs to uh, just stay with it and basically knock the ball out at the at the, about the two yard line to uh, cause the touchback on uh, on DJ Metcalf. Man, um, DK Metcalf. I thought that was a heads up play by a rookie who didn't give up and it was just a bonehead play by by DK. But uh, man. Jordan Lewis, man, he is struggling. Yeah, he, he really struggled today. Jordan Lewis struggled in coverage all day. Um, was really disappointed with him. Uh, defense, I thought, battled. I thought they played well. They just made too many mistakes. Lockett was wide open on the one deep touchdown. was obviously a breakdown where somebody messed up. Um, thought that a couple of those penalties, honest, I thought a couple of them, we're kind of bogus. I didn't like the Brandon Carr penalty in the end zone. I thought he was fighting with the uh, with, with the tight end there. I thought that was a bad call. And I also thought the one that Jordan Lewis got called on where Russell Wilson was rolling out of the pocket on third down. I thought that was a bad call. It kind of looked like the receiver was going to block because he thought that uh, Russell was going to run and ended up calling uh, Jordan Lewis for holding there. But, yeah, Jordan Lewis did not have a very good game, that's for sure. Um, obviously, Alden Smith had a great game. He flashed, had three sacks, another just great game from Alden Smith. But 
Dude, second week in a row, really third week in a row. I know he just had a baby this week, and congratulations for him on that. But D-Law was nowhere to be found again. I mean, I didn't see him do anything. I don't even remember really seeing him flash on my screen. I saw Everson Griffin get into the quarterback. I saw Smith get into the quarterback. I even saw Antoine Woods get into the quarterback. I just don't see enough from Demarcus Lawrence. This shit, I don't understand what it is. Now, maybe if Alden Smith continues to have these numbers that he's getting, maybe D-Law's getting doubled. I don't know but if Alden you know is going to continue to have the success maybe that will slide protection away from Lawrence and he can get back in in order but if you're that guy that Lawrence they're paying the I don't care if you're getting double or triple covered you got to add pressure to the quarterback and I just didn't see it today um just a very disappointing day again for for D-Law yeah same here man uh I I really didn't I, I really didn't see anything um I'll tell you what Tristan Hill has improved He's improved a lot. He's getting a lot of pressure. I really don't see uh, – is Don Terry Poe, is he hurt? No, Poe was in there. He was playing. He's not 95. He was in there playing today. Um, but to be honest, it looks like Antoine Woods and Tristan Hill, I believe, have just taken the reps away from uh, Denary Poe. I think that's just a, a, a just a how good uh, Tristan Hill has been through this camp and through the first few games. I think he's just taken reps away. Um, yeah, I got the stats here up for the defense, and obviously this will get adjusted as the week goes on, and they look at tape and everything like that. But, uh, you know, Demarcus Lawrence, I'm looking at him here, he had two two tackles today. That's all he had. Uh, Denari Poe, two tackles as well. Uh, Woods had three up the middle. Uh, Tristan had one, but he was kind of uh, obviously wreaking a lot of havoc back there. And then Alden Smith had three three sacks and two tackle for losses. So, I mean, Alden was all over the field today. So, yeah, just really disappointed in, uh, in Demarcus Lawrence and what he's been able to do this year. Yeah, yeah. I thought Brandon Carr played a pretty solid game for the snaps that he was in there as well. So I think we got something with defense. It's just it's just like uh, Mike Nolan said, because I know uh, Jalen Smith was talking about the scheme, but like Mike, Mike, like Mike Nolan said, you know, hey, you know, last year and, you know, throughout the Garrett years and the Marinelli years, they were they were always accused of being too simplistic, you know? So I, I think, just like you said, I think this thing is going to round into shape as we continue to get games under our belt under this new regime, man. Yeah, and I'll tell you um... – you know, last week, me and you both high praise for Joe Thomas, and he played pretty well today. I thought he played well. He had nine tackles. He actually led the team in tackles today. So I thought he played well. But somebody else this week that I really got to tip my cap to, I mean, I thought Worley played really good today. I thought Worley really, really stepped in that cornerback spot. And to be honest with you, man, when when Awuzie gets healthy – I don't know. I think Worley gets this spot. That's kind of the way I look at it. I would kind of like to see uh, Diggs, Worley, and, and Anthony Brown as the top three corners. And then I still believe we need to slide Brandon Carr back in that safety spot next to Xavier Woods. I really believe that. Nothing against Darian Thompson. I just don't think he has quite the covered skills that Brandon Carr has. Um, so that, that would be what I, I believe the best uh, option the Cowboys have in the secondary going forward uh, would, would, would be with Worley out there at corner with next to Diggs, Anthony Brown playing in the slot, which is kind of his natural spot, and then throwing Brandon Carr back there at safety next to uh, Woods. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, uh, uh, the screen plays, I didn't, I, I didn't understand that. Um, they weren't working. They, uh, for whatever reason, 
uh, Seattle was they had those snuffed up from you know from the jump. So I, I don't I think we might have ran four or five screens um, before we got into desperation mode on that last drive. But I just didn't understand that. You know we were pretty good last year with the screens, but for whatever reason this year just not working. I've and that's the thing about football, man. Something that might have worked, you know, under a previous regime just doesn't work you know, under a new coaching uh, staff. So, and I understand with all the makeshift lines and, and things of that nature, you got to figure out the blocking pattern. But I just felt like once they saw that the possibly the second or third screen didn't work, they probably should have just, you know, left that alone. Yeah, I agree. And, um, you know, one thing I've really got to give credit to Mike McCarthy uh, for today, um, a lot of times in the past, not only was Jason Garrett – questioned about how he uh how he managed the game but also with personnel we didn't feel like Jason Garrett would make those personnel changes mid-game I thought between Mike McCarthy and then offensive line coach Joe Philbin to make that switch in the middle of the game kicking Zach Martin out to tackle put Terrence Steele on the bench uh putting Tyler Biotis in there at center and then kicking Looney over to guard I thought that took some stones man to make that call in the middle of the game and really if you look at it that woke the offense up we did that the next drive was the two big deep balls to Gallup that ended or the deep ball to Gallup and then the the second touchdown to Wilson and the next drive after that was the deep ball to Gallup that scored the touchdown so it seemed like as soon as they made that move it really opened up the offense and gave Dak the protection that he really needed that he didn't have in the first half so I got to give I don't know if it was Joe Philbin that made that call or Mike McCarthy or I'm assuming maybe a little bit of both but I got to give him high praise for that moving your all pro guard and kicking him over to tackle in the middle of the game that takes some stones to do that and I think going forward obviously we hope that Lyle and Tyron are going to be able to play here in the near future hopefully maybe even next week Lyle can come off IR next week but if they're both unable to go, I like that. Uh, I like that that match in the offensive line they had there late in the game. Because really, man, Brandon Knight has held up well at left tackle. If anything, with Tyron Smith being hurt, showed me that we got something there in Brandon Knight. I really believe that he played well. Terrence Steele, he's a rookie. Brandon Knight's been there for a couple of years, so I just think the. The moment's just too big for Steele right now. I'm not saying he won't get better, you know, in the next year or two. But right now, I really like uh, like move, that move of moving uh, Zach Martin out there to guard and then moving Looney and Biotis in there as well. Really like that. Yeah, me too. Also, I think with uh, Tyron Smith, I think that they should just – they should just take their time with him. You know what I'm saying? And same with Lyle because you're right. These guys are actually kind of holding up. You know, you're going to get the mistakes, but I think the reps, they need to just continue to get the reps. And uh, I thought uh, Beatis, uh did, you know, did really well as uh, center. And, and to be honest with you, Looney looked like he was a little bit more comfortable at that uh, right guard. So, yeah, man, I, I just think take your time with Tyron Smith, man. Yeah, agree totally. And, uh, you know, man, this is this is what's going to make the team better. That's why I said it's just so important that we battle right now because Dallas has to know that in the next four or five, six weeks, they're going to get Tyrone Wolf Hunter, potentially Sean Lee, Anthony Brown. All these guys are going to come healthy you know four or five weeks they've been lucky enough they've been bitten horribly with the injury bug however the only guy that's really out for the year is Blake Jarwin so you know there's going to be a lot of guys coming back in mid-season to make this team healthy so it's going to be important that Dallas just fights for everything they can right now knowing that in the future they're going to get these guys back and that's going to make the ball come 
Oh yeah, yeah, man. And uh, just like you talked about, uh, I'll tell you what. I, when you were talking about uh, the Eagles, I say give it probably another two to three weeks. If Wentz continues to struggle, I, I mean, I don't know what the Jalen Hurts situation is, but man, this whole Wentz thing is just wow. It's crazy, man. Yeah, I'm telling you, man, if Carson – next week Philadelphia plays Sunday night football against San Francisco, they have a tough game next Sunday. Even though San Francisco's got a lot of injuries as well, I would expect Jimmy G and Kittle to probably be back to play next week. Dude, if Philly falls to 0-3, that's just going to happen. You know how Philadelphia is. I mean, they are a relentless city, and if struggle, there's going to be a lot of pressure on Doug Peterson. Hurts in the game. So I'm up to see what happens with that. And then just kind of go back. I want to just get your take. This is one thing that I kind of want to start doing as we go forth these reaction games. Uh, you know, let's give Dak a grade, man. I kind of want to see let you go first and then I'll kind of jump on. What would your grade be today from Dak? Letter grade. Um, you know, I, I would give him a I, I would give him a B plus, a solid B plus. And the only reason why I'm not giving him an A is because that that first interception was just horrible, you know. Um, the, the 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 you know that last one is desperation. You're trying to make a play, but I, I really think that Dak is. I think he's ready. He had a couple of bad throws like that. Uh, he had the uh, where he had Blake Bell on the one yard uh the one yard out uh, trying to convert the uh the third and one. That was a bad play, um, but for the most part, man, he's solid. He, he, he's 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 solid, man. And 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 um, I'm I'm very comfortable with Dak. He can make all the throws. Just sometimes, you know. And Russell Wilson was off too, so I'll give Dak a B plus, man. Yeah, I. But I'm gonna give him just a B. I'm not gonna go straight B plus, just because I did think that the first interception was bad, and it really changed. It really changed momentum, in my opinion. Dallas had the ball; they were down by one point, could potentially go down, kick a field goal, and take the lead going into the half. And then they got the ball back to start the second half. So I really thought that that pick then then turning into seven points for Seattle was just a huge change in momentum. And then, you know, next thing right after the half, he gets the sack fumble, Seattle gets the ball, scores again, and next thing you know, we're down 15. I mean, that was a swing where we went from down one with the ball to down 15, you know, within just no time. That was momentum plays in the game. And credit to Dex fighting back, but, man, I'm tired of watching Dex fight back. I want him to have the lead already. I don't want miraculous plays when they're behind I want him to make those miraculous plays when they're ahead you know what I mean and he's able to you know just make the lead even bigger so that's why I'm giving him a B played great though don't get me wrong threw from us 500 yards threw for 450 last week the guy's doing everything that we need him to do um but yeah I thought Dak played well but we just we got to give him a little bit more help honestly uh pass protection was poor in the first half was much better in the second half um, and then, you know, props to Cedric Wilson. I thought, man, he played great. I didn't know Cedric Wilson had those wheels on him that he had because when he got in the open field, man, nobody was catching him. Man, I, you know what? That's what – that's what I, – I just don't understand the whole Amari Cooper. I, I felt like we should have let Cooper go to Washington, man. I really felt like that because look at what you have in Wilson and Lamb and Gallup. You know what I'm saying? 
Yeah, I dude, I agree with you a hundred. I think too many times in the game we try to force the ball to Amari Cooper. And the thing that drives me crazy about Cooper, I don't know if it's the way Cooper plays or the way we call plays for him, but Cooper only catches like these like six, seven yard slants or like out routes. That's all he really does. He doesn't really take the top off of a defense at all. Now he did last week with the one long pass. He had the great one-handed grab, but more often than not, he's not taking the top off the defense. It's Gallup that's taking the top off the defense. So, and, and Wilson today, I mean, was taking 20 yard slant routes and, and, you know, hitting his head on the goalpost. So I just, I, I, I'm kind of out on Cooper, to be honest. I don't like his body language. It just drives me crazy. I don't feel like he's invested in the game as much. And, you know, the, the, credit to Dak too. Dak doesn't care who it is. If you're open, he's going to throw the ball to you. We've seen the last two weeks, he got Cedric Wilson involved today. Last week, he got Noah Brown involved on a couple passes. Noah caught another pass today. Um, Dak doesn't care, man. If you got a, a, a silver helmet with the blue star on it and you're open, Dak's going to pass you the ball. And that's one of his better attributes that I love about him. So, yeah, I'm, I'm not a huge Cooper fan. I'm kind of down on him. I hope maybe next week he'll break out against Cleveland and make me eat some of these words. But right now, I'm just just a little bit out on Amari. Hey, got I got a question for you. Dalton Schultz or Blake Jowers? Whew, man, that is tough because I'll tell you one thing. I'm super impressed with what I've seen from Dalton Schultz the last two weeks. Um, however, I'm still going to lean towards Blake Jarwin because I think Blake Jarwin is more athletic in the open field. I think when they get to the open field, he can make a guy miss take a 10, 15 yard pass and take it to the house. However, Darton Schultz is a very, very nice tight end. Um, and I'll tell you what, you know, there was always these rumblings the last couple of years about how Jason Witten was holding these guys back, mainly Dalton Schultz and Blake Jarwin. What I'm seeing this year, man, I, I just going to have to agree with that statement. Um, Jason Witten was taking reps away from these guys when, when Jason was at the end of his career and was really just a blocking tight end. So right now to answer your question, I'm going to stick with Jarwin, but man, give me a few more weeks to Dalton Schultz like he had the last two. And I might be leaning towards Schultz when this thing's over, man. I'll tell you, I'll never forget when, uh, uh, they had, uh, the coach from Stanford, David, uh, Shaw. Yep. And he said that. He said, look, you know, he's going to be a development project for at least the first two years. But in his third year, he should really start to show promise and progress. And what is he, third or fourth year now? I want to say this is the third year for Schultz. Yeah, he said that wrong. he felt like his third year, Dalton, would really, because that's what he did at Stanford. He really came on in his junior. And then obviously his senior year, he just exploded, you know. So... Man, it's it's really turning out like like you know what y'all talked about, man. So I, I like that, man. I, I something about him I like, man. But yeah, I agree with you. Uh, Jarwin has all the moves, and you're right. He can stretch the defense as he did with the Giants uh, when we played them that year when he had the three touchdowns and things of that nature. So yeah, you're right, man. And and uh, I I, was, I looked at the uh, Raiders and the uh, Saints and. Uh, I don't know if Witten got on the field or what, but I see that John Gruden's not playing that game over there in Oakland. You know, that's a whole Jason Garrett thing. Yeah, it looks to me like Witten's kind of the number two tight end over there, mainly used for blocking, uh, because obviously Darren Waller's a stud, and he's over there getting majority of the reps. Um, man, I will tell you one other thing that I kind of wanted to get your feedback on, just another insight, obvious, obvious insight from the game today. Man, 
when when we made our offseason acquisitions and we acquired Greg Zerline, I was like, thank God we finally got a kicker that, you know, we can depend on. After the Brett Maher, just Brett the Fret, as Skip uh, Bayless <laughs> calls him, Brett the Fret. That was, that was pretty much how it was all year for Brett last year. And, you know, Forbath came in at the end of the year, hit seven straight field goals, never missed for us. And then we cut him in camp this year to keep uh, Zerline. Dude, I'm questioning that decision right now. I got to be honest with you. Zerline is a great kicker. He's got a great pedigree. But the reason the Rams got rid of him is because he missed like eight field goals last year and several extra points. And you know how that psyche gets for a kicker when they start to lose it. I just think maybe Greg Zerline's lost a little bit of that psyche. I thought, was hoping that by hitting that game-winning field goal last week against Atlanta, that that would put him back on the right path. But to doink the extra point today, and then, you know, obviously had another one blocked, which wasn't, wasn't really on him. I'm not feeling so great about Greg Zerline right now. You talk about old Greg the leg. Eh? I, yeah, I don't. I, 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 I mean, I get it. You know, uh, Bones wanted to bring his maybe his own guy in, but you're right. Forbath was just electric towards the end of the season, man. And they should at least kept him around. I don't understand that, but man, yeah, this whole Greg the leg thing, man. I'm, I'm, you know, I had a guy, you know, I, I, I do a lot on Lakers Twitter, and, and the guy's been laughing at me with Greg the leg every time he, uh, you know, misses a field. Um, yeah, misses the extra point. So we'll see, man. But man, you're right. I get nervous. You know. Yeah, it, it's not a good feeling. I mean, there's going to be times where you're going to need that kicker to kick that field goal to win the game, like we saw against Atlanta. So I just. God, I miss Dan Bailey so much. I missed it that every time Dan Bailey tried it out to the field that it was going to be guaranteed three points. I, I just missed that feeling so much. So I still don't understand why we let him go when we did, but, you know, is what it is. That was a Jason Garrett decision, obviously. So, yeah, all in all, like I say, yeah, Cowboy Nation, um, horrible, hard loss to take, obviously. I hate losing right at the end like that. But one that I kind of saw coming at Seattle, knew it was going to be a tough game, and I just thought we competed our butts off. Got a lot of things to clean up. But, however, I believe that if we play that game that we played today, minimizing the turnovers and minimizing the penalties mistakes, we probably win against almost every team in the league. So we can hang. We got a club that can hang with anybody in the league this year, and that obviously excites me. Yeah, and I'll tell you one thing. I like our coach. Our coach is more involved, has been more involved these past three games than I've seen Garrett in the past uh, during his whole regime, if you ask me. Yeah, agree. Like I say, and that's the, the offensive line uh, change in the middle of the game was just like a glaring thing for me. Like when they made that move, I was like, all right, I don't know if this is going to work, but kudos for doing that because I know Jason Garrett would not have made that move. He would have been next man up mentality and he would have left Terrence Steele in there to get his butt whipped. I mean, remember a few years ago when Chaz Green was just outmatched against the Falcons and Jason Garrett refused to make a change. He just, he let the, I can't remember who it was on Atlanta, but the dude had like seven sacks or something like that. You know, so we, we saw that so many times from Garrett. So I really like what I saw from McCarthy. I must admit, I'm not sold on Mike Nolan's defense yet. You look at these stats now, two weeks in a row, we've given up 39 points to Atlanta, 38 points to Seattle. You're not 
to win a lot of games giving those up. I know uh, Cowboys Twitter, the beat writers, they like to call us Team 40 Burger, uh, saying that we're going to score 40 points a game, but <laughs> you can't rely. You can't rely on 40 points every week in the NFL. And the bottom line is Dak scored 31 today. 31 should be enough to win you a football game. So got to put, even though the defense put him in a couple, the, the offense put the defense in a couple bad spots with those uh, – with those turnovers still today, both of those turnovers got cashed in for touchdowns. Defense has to hold there and, and hold them to field goals when your offense puts you in that tough spot. So Mike Nolan, he got a lot of work to do on that defense, that defense, because we can't game and expect to win. Absolutely. And team 40 burger might be in reverse, you know, <laughs> yeah. giving up oh, team, our defense exactly, team 40 burger. Right. Exactly. Hey man, well look, let's, 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 um, let's, let's, Let's go to NASCAR, man. I know we we text and we talked about some of the some of the changes that uh, you know that that's going to happen, and obviously the biggest one is with Denny Hamlin, Bubba Bubba uh, Wallace, and Michael Jordan. I'm gonna let you start off with that because I know that's something that you definitely wanted to cover. Yeah, man. So. If you guys remember, I kind of hinted at this like, like six weeks ago. Heard some rumblings about uh, Michael Jordan owning this team with Danny Hamlin being a part of it and, and Bubba Wallace driving. Uh, and, of course, Jordan said, no, there's no truth to it. And there's the rumblings that just continued, continued for, uh, you know, about the last five, six weeks. And then, sure enough, we had an announcement last week. So Bubba Wallace is going to be driving full-time next year for a new team. We don't have a lot of details yet on the new team. We just know that it is a majority-owned team of Michael Jordan, and it's going to be a minority-owned team of Denny Hamlin. The assumption, obviously, is with, with Danny Hamlin being involved that they're going to run Toyotas and probably a JGR alliance, similar to what uh, Levine Family Racing has and uh, Front Row Motorsports had, you know, or furniture, sorry, Furniture Row Motorsports had with Martin Truex a few years ago. So I'll tell you one thing, man. The thing that I expect the most – Number one, that team is going to have plenty of money to try to win races. They might have that Gibbs alliance, but Michael Jordan's involved as a majority owner. There's going to be plenty of money going into that operation. You believe that? Um, I believe that it's going to kind of be like a, a Tony Stewart type of thing. When Stewart started Stewart Haas Racing, he ran Hendrick cars and Hendrick engines, and Rick Hendrick really helped Tony get his team and running. I believe that's what's going to happen now. Just Michael Jordan and Denny Hamlin get this thing off the ground. They're going to run one car next year. I guarantee you they're going to try to run two the following year. They're not going to stay a one-car team. And then, you know, who knows, maybe three, four years down the down the line, maybe they'll switch away from JGR and, and go run their own manufacturer and do their own thing, kind of like Stuart Haas has done. So, man, this is great for Bubba Wallace. He's going to be in good equipment next year. It's going to be equipment that's way better than what he's in now. It might not be race-winning equipment right out of the gate with it being a new team, but you better believe it's going to be good equipment. And obviously going forward in the future, it's going to be great. I think the biggest thing to come out of that – Bubba has a multi-year contract signed, and Michael Jordan believes in Bubba Wallace. So with NJ being behind Bubba, he's not going to have any pressure to, you know, I got to perform right now or I might get taken out of the car. So I just think this is a great situation all around. And, man, I hope they do well. Well, as we talked about before, Michael Jordan, Bubba Wallace, them guys winning, that's just going to do so much for NASCAR. It would be so great for the sport to see them guys, you know, successful at winning races. Yeah, man. No, when 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 I actually saw that, I was like, "Whoa!" I, I was when you texted me that, I was shocked. 
because I because I, I knew you had called it. You've been hinting around to it, but man, just to see that, yeah, that that that's going to be great for the sport. You know, that's going that team is going to be a, a magnet for sponsorship, things of that nature. So, yeah, man, I, I just think all around it's going to be great for the sport. And I think at one time Michael Jordan did something with some Supercross or um some, some motorcycle teams or something yes. like that. Yes, he did. So, yep. so he definitely yep. has he definitely has that racing bug. And, and you know um, about him, so yeah, no, nah, that, that's huge, man. That is absolutely huge for the sport. So I couldn't be no more happy to to hear that. And and you know, obviously, um, like you said, I want Bubba in good equipment because I think he's a a good race car driver. And to be able to show that, and like you say, that there really won't be the pressure of I have to win right now, but still, it's just having MJ in the sport, man. Say what you want to say about MJ, man. Being in the sport, that that that's that's just a name that's going to travel and, and 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 carry for NASCAR. So I'm 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 very happy about that. Yeah, for sure, man. It's going to be great for the for NASCAR. And you know, I was really impressed with Michael this week. He was talking about how when he was a kid, him being you know from the North Carolina area, when he was a kid, that his his parents would take him to the races. And you know, he knew David Pearson and Junior Johnson, and he was naming off some of these guys. I'm like, okay, MJ, he does have the uh, he does have some background on this thing. Like, you know, that's one thing that I think gets lost not to go too much on the the race thing here and i know you can kind of piggyback off this as well but you know we i think nascar gets this bad stigma that it's a it's a white southern sport but there's a lot of african-american southern uh males and females that like this sport as well and it's always been like that i mean you look at a guy like brad doherty michael jordan race is a big thing down in the south for for Caucasian and African-Americans. So, yeah, to get an African-American owner in the sport like Michael Jordan along with Brad Doherty, it's just great for the sport, and it's going to be it's gonna be fun to watch him next year. Yeah, absolutely, man, because I know the numerous times uh, I've been to Darlington Raceway, there's a lot of African-Americans there, man. So that's just – it's just that southern that, – that southern uh, culture. So so yeah it, it yeah it it's it's just gonna be great for the sport man so I'm I'm doubly happy about that man I'm I think what we're gonna do now man I, I'm gonna tee up the race and 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 and, and watch that and see I, I'm getting a little update seem like Chase is running well so I'm very happy about that hopefully he'll be able to close something out but then knowing that he could also have a caution at the end of the race too. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I'll tell you, uh, obviously, last week, we haven't really covered NASCAR much because we've been focusing on the NFL, but, you know, last week, uh, they had the the elimination race to Bristol. My boy, Matty D, got eliminated last week, which was tough. His team just, just put him in too big of a hole, and then he had a flat tire at the end of the race that took him out. So, but we're still proud of him making the playoffs and, you know, doing okay in that first round. So, was happy with the team, but... Yeah, it's um, it's been an interesting playoffs for the start here. Uh, tonight's race, I got it on now too. It looks like Chase is actually leading, but they're going through some green flag pit stop sequence right now. But he will be the leader uh, once they get these pit stops cycled through. But man, this is an important race tonight here in Vegas because next week you got Talladega, and we all know how 
much of a wild card that is. And then the following week is the Roval. So this round is really, really, really uh, – in, in, this race is going to be really important uh, to these guys who are in the playoffs because you've got to win tonight in Vegas. You don't have to worry about Talladega. You don't have to worry about the Roval. But, you know, if you have a bad run at Las Vegas, then you're going to be on pins and needles the next two weeks. Um, looks like Joey Logano got squeezed in the wall earlier, and he's got a bunch of damage. So he could be looking at, you know, being in some trouble gonna have to go out and try to win maybe talladega next week so yeah it's gonna be plenty of storylines gonna be fun to watch absolutely man absolutely yes sir well look man this has been great man i love this reaction pod and yeah we'll we'll get back to doing our sports whip around man but um i appreciate everything that you do man appreciate the 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 assist on watching the game today (laughs) (laughs) because i was scrambling at the start of the game and uh so appreciate you brother yeah, man, no problem. Yeah, we'll be on. Try to do maybe, maybe try to do another sports whip around next Saturday or something. We'll see what we got going on, and then obviously we'll be on next Sunday for some reaction. Hopefully, the Cowboys beating the Browns. That's what we're hoping for. Absolutely, man. Well, have a great night, buddy. All right, man. You too. All right.